Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. You are listening to The Joe Martino Show. Today, we are finishing uh, the third of a three-part series about what it's like to grow up black in America. And today, we add a little twist. What if you're a black female who's also in law enforcement? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, so I'm not going to take up a lot of your time about the upcoming episode. It is a little bit longer, but I talk about it. I talk about where it fits into the series that's going on all in the next segment. I do want to let you know that there is a part where uh, Jennifer was cut out. She was uh, disconnected, and so we had to wait for her to be able to reconnect. I cut some of that out simply because it was silence. Uh, however, we left the majority of that part of the event in. I hope you enjoy this episode, and let's just get right to it. Okay, I'd like to welcome Jennifer Little to the show today. Uh, this is the third interview in what I believe originally started out as a three-part interview. I believe it'll stay there. I might add a fourth interview later in the month of July. Uh, if you haven't caught up on that, each interview does stand alone. I would encourage you to consider uh, listening to all of them, though, because I want to bring different perspectives from uh, Black Americans who have been born here, grown up here, and have different perspectives. So we've interviewed a man in his 30s, a man in his 50s, and now I'm going to interview a black woman who is also a member of law enforcement. So there is some added tension to your life, Jennifer. Uh, We worked together uh, many years ago at a different facility. We've since gone on into different careers. You are pursuing the law enforcement angle. Uh, Of course, I'm in counseling and a few other things. Uh, but tell me, tell me and maybe the listeners a little bit about your experience as a black woman, if you would, just growing up and, and straddling those two lines. We, we did have a little conversation right before we came online here, and I want to discuss that for certain. Uh, okay. A, a white, woke, air quotes, male, essentially yep. calling out your blackness. But before we get mm-hmm. to that, let's just kind of tell me about your experiences. One of the things that I have been learning and, and I've been blessed to have a lot of black friends um, and so and from all walks of life. And so I've been able to have a lot of conversations with them. And one of the things that I've noticed is there's a perception that the racism towards black women is less about racism, more about sexism. Because okay. if you look at the numbers, not as many black women die through violence. Unless it's, unless it's uh, domestic violence. And yet almost all of my black friends who are women can tell you for a long time, different racist encounters that they've had. Oh yes. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your experience growing up uh, as a black woman, you know, going to college, working your way into your chosen field, et cetera. Um, I, well, first off, you know, everyone, it was always, um, should I say shocked when I say that I grew up in a all white neighborhood or a predominantly white neighborhood, uh, that I went to private school and in West Michigan, you find mostly in private schools, there is predominantly white people there. Right. Now, if you go to the East side of the state to Detroit, they got several private schools, Catholic schools of which there's going to be tons of black kids there. Right. Not so much in West Michigan. So when I say that I grew up in a two parent home, 
or that both my parents had jobs, steady jobs, good jobs, that we took family vacations every year, that I was familiar with things outside of Michigan that normal families were used to as well, it was always a shock. Um, one thing that always gets me is that when I go get groceries, if somebody asks me, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is, will this be with your EBT card? Seriously? Oh, yes. I have been asked that on several occasions. Will this be see, with an EBT card? See, and, I feel like and I my response be always... What is, what, you know, I like to ask them, what is an EBT card? Now, mind you, I also worked for CPS for D, what is now DHHS now, but it was DHS when I was there. So right. I'm very familiar with the system. Um, but I asked, I said, well, what is that? And I get this blank stare. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. What is that? I said, is that a rewards program going on? And they say, oh, um, well, no, no, no. It's, it's like one of those, you know, it, 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 it's, it's for the, you know, for, for some people that are struggling, you know, you get that constant hesitation right. slash right. stuttering right. slash, oh boy, she's not paying with that. So then, you know, you, you watch the next person go in line and they don't get asked that. And I purposely right, right. stay behind to see if they're going to get asked as well. Yeah, but, I, I'm older than you. And I can honestly say no one's ever asked me that. Even at a time mm -hmm. of my life when I, when I actually had the card, we had, I lost my job. Mm -hmm. No one's ever asked me that. Right. Nope. So, so it's frustrating. Like, I didn't grow up with it. I don't use it now, nor have I ever used it. So right. it's like those kind of questions are really irritating. Or if I go out with a group of all white women, they assume that the white women are paying for me. One lady actually thought, that I was one of the ladies' nannies. And Whoa! Said, and and no. how long? How long ago was this? Ballpark it, like two years, a year, three years? No, this it couldn't be twenty twenty because we've been in lockdown. <laughs> no, no, no. This was probably between the years of two thousand nine and two thousand twelve because that's when I worked for DHS, and okay. it was a group of us ladies that went out. So, okay. and all, they all kind of looked at me like, "Why would they think we're paying for you?" I said, "Because they don't think I have money. They think right. that you guys have money." I don't right. have money. You guys are paying for me and I'm privileged enough to be with you all. Right. So you can pay for me. So I think things like that are the most irritating to me. The EBT one is that really grinds me. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah, I, would... I take pride in work and not getting things for free. Right. Except yeah. for if it's from my dad, you know, because I am a daddy's girl. But right, right, who's sure. counting? <laughs> right, right. Hey, as a dad of four girls, I get that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to pivot here. Uh, you and I are talking about a young man that also worked at our previous place of employment. I don't remember him at all. He might've been, I might've been gone by the time he got there, but uh, he basically, he basically wrote to you and, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he basically said, how can you be so supporting of law enforcement as an African American woman, which can I just pause here for a second? I have a friend who's <laughs> black and who's from England, but he lives here now. Yeah. And he gets so pissed when people call him African American. He's like, I'm black. Or you can call me African English if you'd like. And they, they, they like, yeah. they stutter, you know, cause they're so, oh, well, I'm doing better. No, you're not. You're be, just, and he'll get, oh my God, he gets so mad, but that's a different day. As an African-American woman told me it was, mm -hmm. he told you it was time to find a new career. And then he asked you if you were raised by black people. Yes. Now this is a white male who claims, I, I've interacted with him claims to be extremely progressive, 
uh, claims to be very smart, uh, very, very educated. Yes, yes. Very few people are as smart as he is. And, and, and he interacts with someone like that and probably doesn't even realize how racist that sounded that yeah and not even sounded how racist it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how yeah. common are interactions for you because that because i didn't want to embrace the idea of defunding the police force right right which which we all know which i would hope that most citizens know whether black white asian or mexican understand that we need law enforcement Right, we need good right. law enforcement. Right. I am I am all for weaning out bad ones, but it's like every job. Somebody's yep. gonna slip through the cracks. Somebody. Yep. yep. Yeah. You know? I, I talk to people all the time. There's bad counselors, which is my profession. There's bad teachers, mm -hmm. which is another profession very near and dear to my heart. And there's bad yep. police officers. And 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 we have to root them out. And part of that problem, which is, is probably outside the scope of this interview, but part of that problem is unions tend to defend the bad ones with the same vehemence that they defend the good ones, yes. you know, and, and that is a problem that needs to be addressed in a nuanced approach. But how often do you find that progressive, I hate the word, so I'm going to use it and hopefully I don't get a whole lot of hate email this week. Hate woke <laughs> air quotes, woke white people talk to you like that. Like, don't you know, it, it's almost like he's asking you, because you you're black, you should, black people, black people don't like the police is basically what that said. Right. So why would right. you, why would you be jumping on board? Right. And well, then, and then to follow it up with, you must not have been raised by black parents. African, by black parents. Asking yeah. Well, he said African-American. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I know he's, you know, uh, uh, he was, he was an almost Navy SEAL and he's a black belt and all that. But I honestly, I want to punch him. I'm not going to lie that when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh, and this is just yeah. a regular occurrence for, for you, for other people who are black, who've grown up in America. And I think that's sure. one of the things that I, I'd love for my, like, I feel like this is a very polarizing conversation, obviously. And mm -hmm. it's my friends who legitimately want to know how do I do better that I hope these interviews reach. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the mm -hmm. things is you have to, you ha we all have assumptions about life, right? We all have assumptions about people that we see, but you have to be able to check those assumptions. Right. And I find right. that the, the, the more vehement the proclaimers, the less that they're actually checking their perceptions. And it sounds right. like that's true for your life as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't make an assumption that just because someone's black, they don't support law enforcement. And you definitely shouldn't just say, well, how could you in such a judgmental tone? Right. Because regardless of if I worked for law enforcement or not, uh, you still need the police. Right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, I say, I... Wean, wean out the bad ones. I'm all for that. You know, but it's funny, though, because I, 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 I understand both sides. You know, I seen something on Facebook that said something to the effect of. You can't be a pilot and say, oops, I forgot that part. Or yep. I just made a mistake in the in the plane crash. Yep. Well, you've got about seventy five lives on this plane to maybe a hundred, and you can't. We don't really have time for your oops. Yes. And they said, and they said, this is the same. Th this should be in the same realm as law enforcement. Absolutely. And I get that, and I understand that. 
but we all know there's always that Officer Chauvin, Minnesota PD, who slips through the cracks. Now, mind you, he's had pre- previous uh, complaints, 18 to be exact. So In like two years. That's a little too much. Like that's too much. That's yep. too much. That's enough to say, okay, we need to reevaluate him, maybe give him some desk duty. You need to go to some trainings. Maybe you even need to see a counselor. Yes. And have the counselor give, you know, because we all have to take psych exams before we even get the job. Maybe you need to retake that again so we can see where your head's at. Yep. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to talk about a lot long before this particular awareness came to level is mm -hmm. we have to be able to hold things in tension. I can support police officers and, and you know, I, the county that I live in, I know probably half the department of the sheriff's deputies. And the only reason mm-hmm. I don't know the other half is because they're new. I, I, by the time they're done, I'll get to know them, right? And I'll see them in chat right. with them. I sure. come from a family. My mom's side had a lot of law enforcement officers in it. And at the same time, get rid of the bad ones. Like, I can watch that ones. video. I got, you know, and I don't typically get angry over things I read on Facebook because it's Facebook. But when I first put up that video, somebody was like, well, we don't know the whole story. And I'm like, I, I, I watched seven yeah. minutes of a guy kill a guy. I don't need to know the whole story. And it was eight minutes and 46 seconds. Right. Of, right, him, but, resting, of him resting his knee into his neck. Right, right. And one of the things mm-hmm. I tell people all the time is I used to teach physical restraint. In fact, I don't know if I ever taught one of your classes where we work, but one of the things I used to tell them is you don't get to have a bad day here where you do something that violates these rules, where you put these residents at risk. You don't get to have that kind of bad day. And that's the level we need to hold the police accountable to. Did I lose you? Uh Uh-oh, you are frozen. This is the first time this has happened in my interviewing. I think it's because the whole world's gone to uh, COVID-19. So stay with me, people. We're gonna see if we can reconnect here. I'm going to stop recording and we will record a new one. Okay, so she is back. We are unfrozen. One of the things that has happened with COVID and lockdowns is everyone, (laughs) a lot of people are going to Zoom. And so it it is slowed down. uh, And you get the distinct honor of being the first time that I have had one frozen. So I don't know where, where you went frozen there, where you didn't hear me. But one of the things I used to tell people that I trained in restraint in a mental hospital was you don't get to have a bad day if somebody gets hurt. And that's the same level for police officers. You know, we can be understanding, we can be, but at some level, you just don't get to have that many bad days. And and that's something, but again, that's a tension thing that people have to be able to live in. Uh, And And especially if you're bad, if you're if, if your bad day is going to result into murder slash death, we're yes. not talking about you made an insensitive statement, not derogatory, no. but you just kind of acted like you didn't care or nonchalant. That can be fixed. I can't fix death or murder. Yep. Yep. Once they're that dead, can't they're be dead. fixed. And, yep, yeah, I agree. And I can fix maybe a little incompetence. I can fix yep. maybe a lack of sensitivity, uh, but death can't be fixed. Yep. When it's done, it's done. Yep. And, and, you know, the interesting conversation that's rolling out of this, in fact, uh, I'm on a, like an aggregate site. Uh, A lot of people are called Quora. And one of the questions that came up today was if it happens again, and I almost feel like saying when it happens again, because George Floyd isn't the first one two months ago, 
there was a white guy in Dallas that they did it to. Uh, Tatum was his last name, and he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, it, what are citizens legally allowed to do? And, and I'm not asking you as a law enforcement you know, officer to, to comment on that. That would, that would it, be corrections, though. Correction side of that, just so everyone okay, knows. Okay, but, but there the is correction a, side. <laughs> but, but there is, I think that's a positive coming out of this. Like, how do we intervene? How do we address this? And one of the things that's happening is that's, so that's the positive. I think the negative is, is we're, a lot of people are painting with broad brushes. And one of the things that uh, you've mentioned to me in the past is that as a black woman who doesn't always follow the commonly accepted narrative, you, you have uh, some conservative beliefs. You don't always follow into the uh, what I think is racism, what, what people tend to say, well, that's what black people believe. Even like, I know black right. friends that will say that, right? And so you, you've lamented the fact that you feel a pressure to follow that narrative. And that doesn't get discussed hardly at all. I'd be interested if you could expound on that for the people who mm-hmm. are listening. Now, you mean from, a, from the aspect of a, my work career or my personal life? Your personal life. So, so like one thing you said to me one time was, it can be frustrating to have conversations with family members who have very strong political views that you may not have, or we have a mm-hmm. former coworker uh, who still works for CPS, who is very liberal, very left, and, and you and her yep. have disagreed. Yeah, yes. yeah, and she almost—it's almost like you get it twice because yeah. she disagrees with you that you're conservative, and she just can't believe that any thinking person would have these conservative views. And yeah, well, I think I think a, a lot of times, woman. I think a lot of times it's it, it's more of the help, 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 give, 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 everything, everything, and because I don't think that way, but yet I think because uh, people assume that because a certain percentage of African Americans may be impoverished or uh, lack the resources or tools that uh, maybe white America has that I should be jumping on board to help, 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 give, give, give. And if you don't give, 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 then you're thinking in the, you're thinking the wrong way. Well, that's not really how I was raised. I mean, I was raised that you, you want to be thankful for what you have. However, you also want to work hard for what you have. And I, and I'm not going to look at somebody who's an able body and say, well, because you appear to be lacking or you're holding a sign up that says you need help, that means that I need to help you because my mind doesn't think that way. My mind right. thinks, well, I went to work for 16 hours last night and I'm going to do another 12 today. So right. I don't understand. Why can't you do it? Right. And how often- And that was another reason why I, I think also transitioned from uh, social work to the criminal justice field. Sure. Now I did learn a lot of good tools in social work. That's what I, I the main tool I learned was de-escalation. Sure. And I attribute that to social work. Sure. However, I was finding after years of doing it, we're talking 2005 to 2016, 17. Um, I just found that it was just it was too coddling for me. And sure. people assume that because I'm African American, oh, you should be coddling. You should, you should be one to give, 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 give. And it's like, that's not really my mindset. My mindset is more of a, you work for what you get. The work so you I put have, in is the work you get out. I have a friend that is black and gay and loves Trump. 
Uh -huh. And he is, he is often accused of being a racist against his own people. Like those are the words I've been mm -hmm. in a coffee shop with him. He's wearing his make America hat. Great again, hat. <laughs> and, and, and I'm okay. not kidding. People walk up and they're like, you're a racist against your own people. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, Oh boy, here we go. Cause he's kind of, he makes me look very tactful. So he's very direct. Have okay. you ever experienced that? Have you ever had anybody say anything like that to you? I certainly wouldn't hope so, but I do know he can't be the only one. No, I don't. I, people haven't said that um, I, because I haven't put out any strong, as, as far as like my political views, I haven't said I'm uh, pro-Trump or uh, against right. Trump. I haven't said I'm pro-Biden or against Biden. I've just said that pe people typically know that this is, this, these are the standards that I live by. Call it what you want to call it. Sure. But I don't think anybody, nobody's ever came up to me and said anything specifically about my views. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and I didn't want, I don't want anybody listening to assume that I am, I'm not assuming your political views, but I do know mm -hmm. like myself, I like to think of myself as right of center, but mm -hmm. there are things, you know, whenever I talk about politicians, people who do you like this politician, I'm always like, I got no idea. I've never met the person, but I like mm -hmm. this policy and I don't like that policy. You know, I try right. to talk about policies and that really angers people because they want mm -hmm. everything to be steady. Uh, oh yeah. Here's a question. What are you, and maybe, you know, you don't have them as a black woman with, with, with a father and a brother, boyfriend, <coughs> excuse me. What are your fears for the men in your life who are also black in America in 2020? You have a cousin who is the, uh, uh, chief of Pol chief of police is that right in Assist Kalamazoo? He's assistant assistant chief okay. of police. Yep. Okay, assistant chief mm -hmm. of police. Mm -hmm. What are your cons What what are your fears? You know, we all carry fears for our loved ones. Fear might mm -hmm. be a strong word, but we all have worries. What are some of yours that somebody like me, I who's think, white, isn't going to think about? I think mine will be uh, the biggest one is racial profiling. Okay. Racial sure. profiling. Um, you know. My dad drives a BMW, uh, a new BMW, and it's my brother who has on a black hoodie, which he could and would. They dress differently. Um, he gets pulled over. Did you pull him over because he was really going over the speed limit, or did you pull him over because he was an African-American and he's driving a BMW? So this is going to have something in the car. There you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was actually with a yeah. friend of mine who's a doctor who's black. And he mm -hmm. was driving uh, a BMW. And the cop asked me, he's like, sir, is this your car? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm in the passenger seat. It's his car. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to let somebody drive me around in my car unless it's my right. kid. <laughs> right, right. Like, what the yeah. heck? Yeah, yeah, just crazy. Yeah. And we laugh about it. And at the same time, we laugh, I think, because if you don't laugh, you cry. Because it's oh, craziness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And, my, and, you know, and my father has been pulled over before in his car. Sure. Yep, yep. You know, on, on his way to, I believe, a football game, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a, you know, a BS line of, oh, we thought this was this car or something like that. You know, right. No, yep. you just wanted to check and make sure it was his. Right. So yep. Yep. things like that. We've talked about this a little bit. What's your experience been like as a person in law enforcement correction side and as okay. a black woman? Like, like, what is that experience like? Well, you know, I work for a great agency. I love the agency. Um, I have had some very funny moments there. Um, 
let's see here. First off, it's in a rural town. Um, and it is obviously predominantly white there. Um, my correction side, I'm the only black officer um, on the correction side. And I think it was probably my second week of training and I was working at intake. I was booking a guy in and he looks and he looks at my training officer and he says, oh, wow, I didn't know they had any colors working here. Wait, so I have and to ask, I, hey, and I hey, said, hey, someone you were checking in said that or another officer said that? Someone I was checking in. Okay, inmate. someone you were lodging. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. He word. was being we booked in. Them. Okay. <laughs> and he looks up and he's, he literally said that to me. He said, oh, wow. I didn't know they had any colors working here. And I said, yes, they hire African-Americans here at Ionia County Jail. <laughs> he said, oh, oh, I didn't mean it like that. I said, right, okay. right, right. Right. I didn't mean I it said, like okay. that. It just came out like that. <laughs> and my training officer looks at me and goes, I didn't know how you were going to handle that, but job well done <laughs> it's like i was like duty doesn't know any better seriously whatever right, right. so sure. things like that um i have went to go uh pick up because a part of the job is we have to go pick up the medication when the nurse prescribes new medication for a lot of the inmates we have to go pick it up from the myers so i go to myers and one of the i think it was a pharmacy tech says you work in ionia i said yep she said oh wow do you work on the road i said Nope, the jail. I'm here to pick up the meds for the jail. Oh, wow. Oh, I've never seen you. Are you new? I said, nope. I said, I've been there six years. She said, oh, wow. And she looks over <laughs> at the pharmacist. And I'm like, okay, meds anytime now. Are you going to call right. the sheriff and ask him, do I work here? Would so, you like to call yeah. Charlie? Right. Exactly. Right, so, right. Those are some things I ran into while working there, though. Sure. So let me ask you um, two, two questions, and I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, what does it mean for you, for the Black community to be heard? One of the things that I think we're all desperate for, whether we're Black, White, mm -hmm. Mexican, my heritage is Italian. You know, I have, I, I'm, I'm not very far removed at all from, from my ancestors moving here from Italy. Sure. And we all want to be heard for our own cultural situation and as a unit and as individuals. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we've got like, I've got like my Italian heritage that I want people to hear about and I want to talk about. And I've got experiences with my mom and my wife and my children that are individual experiences that I want people to hear about. Sure. And then as a unit, you know, I'm from the County where you work. I, I, I yeah. take pride in being a rural minded guy. Um, mm -hmm. who likes to visit the city and then go home and sleep under the, the, the stars. Uh, oh, you sound like probably what, 89% of who I work with. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. What does it mean to you for the black community to be heard? Because my hope for this is that we'll at least start hearing each other. And what does it mean that, for you to the black community to be heard? I think that the black community would like to see law enforcement work with them instead of feeling like they're working against them. I think that they would like apologies. I think that they would like explanations um, in regard to police brutality, in regard to profiling. Um, 
I think the justice system alone, I think sometimes too, you know, people can get it misconstrued that the police are there to uh, carry out the laws. They're not there because they're the judge and the lawyer and whoever else. They don't take, right. they have nothing right. to do with what goes on in the courtroom. It's, right. Their job is just to arrest somebody based on a specific offense. But I, I think that the African-American community wants explanations. I think they want apologies. I think they want some sensitivity. I think they want understanding. Um, I don't know how and when that'll happen, hopefully soon. But I, I, if I was to say, what do they want? I think those are the three things they want. Explanations, so, apologies, understanding. So being heard would just be engaging in those three aspects of, yeah, hey, look, this is why we did what we did. Oops, here mm -hmm. we screwed up. We're sorry. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, okay, let's understand what this looks like. Yeah, mm -hmm. those, those sound like three good starting points. Is there anything you want to add to this interview? Anything you want to say to anybody listening? Uh, Just that I know. think that cultural, cultural sensitivity, uh, diversity and inclusion is very important um, in jobs that, you know, involve being in the human service field. That's sure. very important to me. And I yeah. think that it should be implemented no matter where you work at, no matter if you work in a predominantly white environment, predominantly black environment, whether it's mixed or whatever the case may be, you need to become acclimated with different uh, backgrounds. You do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and even in the different backgrounds, there's going to be nuance that people have to embrace. So yeah. like I oh, said, yeah. I have, I have friends, I think I've said this to you before. I have friends that are so far left that mm -hmm. they really feel like President Obama was a sellout, that he was not, he was too centrist for them. And then I have mm -hmm. friends that are so far right that they feel like Trump's a sellout and he's too centrist for them. And they tend to meet mm -hmm. somewhere in my life. And I don't agree with a lot of, especially when they get out to those extremes. I, there's a lot of what they say that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that I do agree with them about. They love their families, they love people. And there has to be space for us to, to, to hear other people's brokenness through our own brokenness, because sure. we all carry stories. The police mm -hmm. officer, and this is not a defense of that Chauvin dude or whatever his name is, but those police officers, they carry broken pieces. The people that they're pulling over carry broken pieces. And I'm afraid as a society, we've stopped looking at that. And it concerns I me. Think, you know, and I think also with the, with the black community too, you know, one thing that is helpful is, uh, you know, when, when something like what recently happened to Mr. Floyd, when that occurs, no matter his criminal background, because he has one, yep. the first thing you say isn't a detailed description of his criminal background. Because I agree. He obviously agree. served his time. That, because when you mention that, you're, you're clouding um, yes. the actions that took place. You're making it seem like, well, he was nobody special. So um, this was his criminal history and pretty much yeah, the, the hell with him. You know, well, right. Oh, well. Like, like I was talking to somebody uh, and we have some mutual friends, obviously, that are police officers and a lot of them put up, you know, hey, this was murder. That man was killed. And then I have mm -hmm. other friends like, well, you know, he had fentanyl in the system. And so I'm always like, yeah, can you imagine how bad a day you have to have that, that there are illegal drugs in your system? So your day's already bad. Mm -hmm. Your life is taking a turn that you don't want. Nobody, nobody wakes up and is like, you know what? I hope in five years I'm on some sort of illegal substance. Nobody does that. So, mm -hmm. so his life is already, life has already kicked him. I got to clean this up for the podcast. It's already kicked him in the tender spots. 
Right. Exactly. So, 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 and now he has, like no you money. said, he can't be having a great day. He can't be right, having a great right. day. Or, or, or an extended period of days can't be good. Right. Cause he's going mm-hmm. and he's taking a forged check. And so, so here's the thing for the forged check. If he did that, cause at this point it would have to be a ledge, but if he did that and he should go to jail, I think it's 30 days. Go serve your 30 days. He doesn't deserve to die. And, and, no. and that's the thing that I just, I, I want people, I want that to reverberate around walls inside people's heads. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. deserve to die. And maybe just maybe we can both intention, look at the drug problem in America and, and say, you know, hey, that is leading to other crimes. And at the same time, have some freaking sympathy for those people. Mm-hmm. Y- 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 you know, like, like holy yeah. cow. Well, no, that's I one of the things that we, we never understand, you know, that the African, the African American community never understands is, for instance, I seen an article the other day about a preschool teacher who's been perping on several kids for the last umpteen years. I used to teach in that year- school district. And gets eight years in eight prison. Years. He gets eight years, yeah. but then I look at a I look at an African American guy who hasn't even touched, get, yep. doesn't get caught with any drugs. Yep. He's caught up in a conspiracy. He gets twenty five in yep. the feds. Yep. Things like yep. that need to yep. be yep. looked at again. I'm sorry. Yep. I mean I think child molestation is one of the worst crimes ever. Hey, I'll take I, any thief, any dope dealer. I'll take any of that before I'll yep. take a, a child molester. Yep, so from yep, that aspect, I, the system needs some work. I agree. I used to teach in that school district. So that came up. I was like, oh, no. Uh, I coached. I didn't teach. I coached there. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things and one of the things that, that has really. Eight years this, still gives you longevity in your life. Yeah, because he's young. I agree. Yeah. Like, I, I'm against the death penalty because I think it's too politicized, but I'd be mm-hmm. willing to make exceptions for child molesters. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but one of the things that, that is the result of, you know, those 25-year sentences is, and this is, we're really a little bit, but it is our war on drugs, air quotes, and, and the mm-hmm. fact that in, 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 in the past, we've allowed lawmakers to make zero-sum decisions in laws that have led to the mass incarceration right. of, of the black community. And, and yeah. I'm not, this is not a political statement for or against either candidate. But one of the things that I hope in this political cycle run up to the election is that Joe Biden gets asked about the laws that he signed de- back during the Clinton years that have, like, you can draw, even my most ardent liberal friends will be like, well, yeah, that is a straight line from Joe Biden's law to the mass incarceration yeah. of the African-American community. And, and it's disproportionate. You've got a child molester right. in Springboro, Ohio, shame on you, Springboro, who, who gets eight years. And, and, and then you've, you've got, got a guy- somebody sitting in the federal penitentiary from something in the 90s. Right, still. right. Yeah. In the yeah. 90s. Totally crazy. Yep. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Bill Clinton. Totally. <laughs> right. I mean, those yeah. are his laws. We, we have to be honest about that. And, and it's just yeah. frustrating. And I hope, I hope that, like, right now, emotions are high and. And there's not a lot of listening going on. I have a question, though, Joe. Sure. You know, why do you think that this particular event has sparked the world, the nation, other countries? Like, this is, and and I will say, even for him to have, Mr. Floyd, that is, for him to have an extensive criminal history, allegedly, because I've never seen any paperwork, but this is 
something that's being put out there a lot. So I, I, I'm led to believe there's something in his record. I've never yeah. seen his record, yeah. so I can't say yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, why do you think this particular event, even given his criminal history, allegedly, why do you think this is such a focal point right now? Because this is like a, a thing now. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's funny. It's almost like COVID was the thing and then COVID stopped and Mr. Floyd took over. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, I think that, I think actually those two are probably related. I do think one of the things is we've been on lockdown here in Michigan. We made it to what? 91 days of lockdown. Mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people were already kind of angry with the government mm -hmm. because the government's the one locking us down. I personally believe unconstitutionally. Uh, right. And then I think when you see that, and, and, you know, like one of the things that I said to a friend of mine was, imagine if there wasn't a video. Right. But when you watch the video, it, it, it's just plain. It's just plain as it, it's, it's just as much a fact that I'm a devilishly handsome dude as it is that guy got killed. <laughs> right. That that guy got killed. Like, I, like, I, I get like, it. Like, I do. Like, like, okay. So you restrained him. He's got handcuffs on. And people are like, well, you know, he could have, he might have thought he had his knee in the middle of his back. Well, if his perception is that bad, dear God in he heaven, he should not have a gun because no. how's he know what he's aiming at? Right. And so it, it was just so egregious, so blatant. I really think it was, you know, I was I mean, burning it some, the, the nation, the nation. Well, the world. They're, they're marching in Spain, they're marching in France. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, and I think it's, and, and, and surprisingly, which, I really, I, I'll be honest, I was quite taken back. I didn't think I was going to see so many white individuals protesting. Yep, yep, yep. With signs I, that say Black Lives Matter. <laughs> right, yep. And so here's my hope. I've, I've watched this. A lot of my white friends come out. Protesting is good. I actually, and I know there are going to be people that are listening to this show that really disagree with me. I think protesting is an American birthright. Uh, I said to my father, we were talking about it, me, him, and another guy. And I said to the yeah. other guy who was against the protest, I said, tell me the difference between the protest and the Boston Tea Party, because I don't see it. They look the same to me. The Boston Tea Party was about injustice. This is about injustice. Right. But my, my fear is we're going to go so far into our anger. I'm afraid we've become an outrage-addicted society that doesn't want to actually engage in substantive conversation about how we fix these things. So my fear is this is going to go and all of these people are going to join these protests until the next thing comes, whatever it is, mm -hmm. killer, killer bees, you know, sharks that jump out of the water and bite cars. I don't know something crazy because 2020 has been unprecedented in my lifetime. Yeah. I think it sparked because the situation was, was there was a, there was a confluence of, circumstances that, that were perfectly set up for it. I think the outrage is justified and I hope that it leads to good conversation. Cause the, the truth is there are a lot of really good cops. There are, there yeah. are. And there are two cops that I feel bad for in, in this situation. There was two cops there at that scene that had been on the job. One was four hours. One was four days. Somebody told me. Yeah. Right. Like that's a bad place. I know to be. it was the, 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 I know that the, the Asian guy at one point, they have him in a police stance, you know, directing people yep. with his hand. 
Yep. And then at one point, the, and he doesn't, he doesn't look as if he cares about what's going on. If no, I he's the one who with, said, he's the one who said, this is why you don't do drugs, kids. He says that into the bad. camera. Yep, yep. But the other two, so Chauvin yeah. and that fella, I think, were the training officers. But the other two, they still shouldn't be cops. And I'm willing to live in that tension of, I support the blue. I know guys that mm -hmm. I would literally, if I died and all my family members died, I would say you could go live with them because they're good police officers. They're good men. They're good family men. They'll raise you well. And then I'm yeah. also willing to I say- I mean, I've, I've talked to several Those on two the guys job. need to go to jail. Right. I've, I've talked right. to several on the job and I've had uh, sergeants tell me, road sergeants tell me, his job at that time and what I would have done is I said, this is over. Yep. Sit that guy up in a resting position, put yep. him in the vehicle, take him to the hospital to be cleared and take him to jail to be lodged. That was the job. Once he is yep. subdued, yep. it's so not as to I sit there on his neck. Yes. Yep. So as I understand it, they, they had him handcuffed. They went to put him in their vehicle and he fought, picked his legs up and none of this was caught on camera. But as I understand it, I've talked to a few people who I think I can trust to have some understanding what happened. Cause the one guy actually says to one of the people recording, he says, uh, the one of the people recording says, hey, you need to put him in the car and take him to jail. He's like, we tried. We're waiting for a van to come. Mm -hmm. I think this, regardless of whatever else is going on, they got angry and they were going to make sure. him pay because yeah. why is some low-life druggie messing up their life? And, and for people listening, I'm not saying that I think he was a low-life druggie. I think that's what they right. thought. And, yep. Yep. and, and those other guys, they got caught up in it and I feel bad for them. But I agree with you. Like somebody just should have just said, Hey, this is done. And the truth is police officers don't have to sit them up. I didn't know this, but I have a friend that's a Minnesota state trooper. Oh, really? And he said they would have been legal to leave them handcuffed and leave them laying there and, and try to move them onto his side. But the mm -hmm. truth is nobody really gets injured if they're handcuffed and laying down on their own, unless uh, on their own body. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I mean, if you take any lethal courses one of the first ways they mm -hmm. teach you how to silently dispatch a person air air quotes around the word dispatch but that's typically the word used in training right is you you cut off the flow on both sides of their neck and they die and it's not like maybe they die they definitively they almost always die right we have to right. engage that conversation of look those four guys screwed up maybe two of them because they were new and they didn't know what to do I'm a little uncomfortable with that, but all right. But the other two, I mean, they were experienced I, I would have liked to, you know, I would like to think though that even my time on FTO, that yes, yes, if I was to watch one my training officer do that to somebody, I'd say, dude, you're right, right, I'd right. At least because say, there's dude, right, I'd say there's right and wrong. There's right and wrong. I'd say this there, isn't looking is, good. Can we stop? Can we maybe try to talk to him? Can we just keep right. the cuffs on and sit him up? It, right, it doesn't Can look we, good. Can and, we, we and we've got 50 phones looking at us. <laughs> can we secure them? Can we secure them just by rolling them on his back? Because if you're yeah. handcuffed, like, here's the thing. You can't have it both ways to my friends who are like, well, no matter what, you always have to support the police. You can't have it both ways. If he's on all those drugs that are in his system, you roll him on his back and his hands are handcuffed. He ain't getting up. He's not getting up. He doesn't have the coordination. And, and yep. people don't want to engage that. Uh, Jen, yeah. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah.
And that does conclude this series. Uh, I do want to let you know of a few things that we are talking about here at our offices, a few things we're kicking around. First of all, we want you to let you know that we are open. We can still see you. Uh, we are starting to schedule marriage conferences for 2021. It looks like we're going to stay um, probably out of conferences for all of 2020 for a variety of reasons. We are toying with the idea of doing a virtual marriage conference, uh, maybe with 6 to 12 couples where everybody would sign in on Zoom and we would have a conference that way. That is something that we're kicking around. I'm also kicking around an idea of revitalizing my YouTube channel uh, with a few changes where before it used to be more thematic. In other words, there would be a, a script that I would write and, and it'd be about a topic and we would do it, maybe a five-minute counseling session, maybe something dealing with anxiety. Uh, this is going to be more of a riff-based uh, YouTube channel. I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep the same channel, but riff-based episodes, uh, more where I just literally grab a camera and talk to you for about a minute to two minutes about something, anything, and then we're just going to put it up. It might fail miserably. It might succeed. I don't know. I am interested. If you're listening, if that's something you'd be interested in, please let me know. You can email me joe at joemartino.com. If you do have any questions, feel free to send them in as well. I don't say that every week, but I do mean that every week. You can always send in a question, joe at joemartino.com. Make sure the word podcast is somewhere in your subject line. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.